I'm going to do something different today. I'm going to start with the passage. In almost two years, never started with the passage. So I'm going to change it up. You know, you got to change it up sometimes. You want to stay fresh. You don't want to get stale and lose your oil. If you lose your oil, it just, nobody likes old spices on their food. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. It's a lot. It's four verses today. It's a lot. It's a lot because it's meaningful and full of meat, but it's only in four verses of text. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 4 says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Oh, man, I'm out of here. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. He's talking about the Pharisees. That they may have glory from men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. And it's not a good one, is what he's saying there. There's a little bit of sarcasm in a good way. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Because they don't need to know. Because I know. That your charitable deed may may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret secret will himself reward you openly what you do in secret god will reward you openly not what you do openly god will reward you in secret he says no if you do it openly you're no different than them did you know we're not meant to be normal in a good way do you know the light of the world is not meant to be normal it's supposed to stick out from the crowd to be an example you know like we forget that i forget that sometimes i just want to be normal and be in the crowd but it's hard because when you know the truth in you you feel you feel the urge to share it and and it it took it took a while for me to ever feel the urge i mean i knew god and i talked to him once in a while but i wasn't in relationship with him so it took a while but but as you get to that step in your walk you have a desire to share god because we weren't called to be normal we were called to be the exception to show what normal was not to be. We are the new norm. We are the light of the world. That's what Christendom is. It's not just coming to church. It's being the great commission as the arms and feet. Come on, somebody. Who wants to be the light of the world? Y'all with me? This is a good thing. I was at a conference this week. We were talking about joy, and that's that's such a powerful buzzword that I think I forgot what joy really was. He says, no, you don't understand. Joy is everything. He rose. He saved you from eternal, you know, Hades, man. There's joy. We we delight in the Lord, David says. We delight. We get to do this. We get to praise God in public. We get to share Jesus Christ as the light and be a testimony of his promise. That's a good thing. And so he's, he's, one of the speakers was bringing back the real depth of joy. There's a, there's a depth to it that I had forgotten about because it's easy to just say, hey, don't lose your joy. Don't let the devil steal your joy. But what does that mean when I leave and the devil steals my joy on Monday morning, right? It's looking deeper, looking at the root of what's really happening. What do we get to do as followers? Verse four again, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees you in secret reward you openly. When I read this, I thought about, I don't know about you all, I thought about success. The word success is what came to my head. And y'all hear, I don't know about you all, but success has kind of got a, some people, it's got a good connotation to it and it's got a bad 
connotation to it. You know, you can go all over the internet and find, hey guys, just get my book for $49.99. I'll teach you how to be rolling in cash money in six short weeks and you will find true success. And then you go over here and there's the next guy doing it and here's the next guy doing it and it's a surplus of people telling you how to do something that's just not sustaining. That's a success that we kind of, well, that'd be nice, but seen it it's 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 there's an over, there's an overabundance of this success and it has kind of a negative vibe with it but i'm talking about godly success success that brings real joy success that money can't buy success that accomplishment can't achieve success that attention doesn't bring success that builds roots that don't dry up anybody remember uh robin leach come on somebody come on robin my British accent is kind of Australian, so I apologize, but it's lifestyles of the rich and famous, caviar dreams. You can be on your yacht or your pontoon, whatever you got. You can be on your canoe and have some caviar dreams, baby. Robin Leach, lifestyles of the rich and famous, the way you want to live to be successful and show the world that you got it together. But that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, that's all good. If, if, you, if you like caviar, I tried it once. That was an accident or a mistake, it, it looked nice, and I was feeling bold, it was sprinkled on like a taco, and we were in some weird place, and I said, what's that shiny stuff, Michelle's like, I think it's a caviar, I'm like, I'm gonna be bold, I'm older now, I'm gonna try it, and um, so yeah, I could have just looked at it, we would have been good, but if that's your thing, man, then caviar brings you your dreams, go for it, but it needs to be in a godly, rooted, successful path, amen, I don't want to be Robin Leach, that's a lot of responsibility to talk like him. To do that monologue year after year. I mean, surely the guy was depressed after all. The, you can be rich and famous and lifestyles. He's just got how many times I got to say this again. Give me my check. Anyway, I'm rambling. But seriously, success is a buzzword. It's a buzzword that culture defines us by. What do I do? How much money do I make? What achievements and milestones have I attained? What cool stuff do I own? How many followers do I have on social media? Oftentimes, success can leave you a bitter taste in, in some because it's perceived to be achieved through carnal, material measures and centered around financial and social statuses. But it just doesn't feel right that that would be everything. That doesn't feel like that would be really sustaining success because it's here today, gone tomorrow sometimes. Sometimes you, you have a good season, you have a bad season. So success is a good thing, but it's not positioned to be obtained the right way and in the right things according to godly priorities. The culture's view of your success may leave you empty when you lose the attention from them. Then what? Every journey has hills and valleys and how you obtain lasting success, this is good, is where you invest. How you obtain lasting success is where you invest. Oh, like stocks? Maybe. Do you want it to last? Depends. Depends what you're defining success. What you define it as is the measure you try to meet to keep it. If my worth was only based on what I obtained in my life, how would I be relevant to God when this life is over. That wouldn't make any sense. If my joy was controlled by my 
cultural success, according to my peers, how will I stay fruitful when I'm all alone? It's getting quiet. If my value was determined by my possessions, how do I stay valuable if I lose them all and hit rock bottom? That doesn't make any, any sense. That means I'm not valuable anymore. The title of my message today is The Secret to Success. The Secret to Success. Jesus said, your deed may be in secret and that your father who sees you in secret will himself reward you openly. The secret to success. See, secret victories lead to public fruitfulness. What you see here, if it's your first time here, we're so glad to have you. But somebody told me when I started, they said, that will be 5% of the job. And they're right. And that's a good thing. But they're so right. And I was a little green. I got to say, I thought it'd be more like 20%. No, it's like five. This is the, the good part. But the greater parts, guess what, are in secret. You don't see them. You don't know about them. It wasn't meant for you to know about them. It was meant for the secret keeper and God and the people involved. And we got that going on all over. That's what's building our culture, which is so cool. But this is the, the public part of it. The social media part of it is just a slither of what it really is. And you get people coming on there, and that's the first impression. That's what they see. And that's good. We want to sell them to come check us out and show them we mean what we say, that we're genuine, but they will really never get to know us until they meet with us and learn who we are as people in private, one-on-one, anonymously, phone calls at night, prayers over email, prayers over text. There's all kinds of things that really build the roots of the people you see connected here today. This is just the fruit of it, okay? It's a good thing. Secret victories lead to public fruitfulness. So what is success? What is it? Well, you know, it's how much I have to show for what I've earned in this stage, all my abundance of things, right? Yeah, right? No? No? Come on, that's what everybody says it is. It's my accolades and my accomplishments. It's all my, my medals and my trophies and my, and my pats on the back that makes me have value, Dave. Come on, somebody. Oscars from my peers, certifications from bigger people that I want to imitate, that say, he's qualified, he has credibility, yay me. That's success. My image of happiness is according to how I appear. Do I appear happy? Anybody? How, how, is this a happy look? Matt, happy? Matt, Nate, are you happy? Scary. Scary. <laughs> it's in the eye of the beholder obviously subjective I agree with you it is scary this hot mess you should have seen it weeks ago with poison ivy <laughs> anyway how we define what success is determines the pressure we create to obtain it and hold on to it when we define it as what the culture just said it was that's I don't have strong forearms. In fact, I've always been a little bit not manly enough in my forearms because I took this forearm test once and I couldn't hold the thing even when the teacher said, oh, I bet you'll do good and I did really bad. And then the little guy comes up and he's just like the man. See, I, I don't have the strength to hold it. And so when I treat my success like that, I'm always gonna slip, it's gonna slip out of my grip at some point because it's a weight I can't bear. It's a weight I was not meant to carry because it's in the wrong things. It's not, 
God's success. It's not godly rooted success. And don't get me wrong, all those things of the world can be a good thing. It's not money that's bad, it's the love of it when it becomes your idol. That's when it becomes a poison to your God, your walk with God. There is no God beside me. I am one God. I'm a jealous God. And when, when anything becomes first over God, it becomes your idol. When it's drugs, alcohol, sex, money, attention, depression, everything. When you give more attention to something over your God, it becomes, it sounds extreme, but it's really true. It becomes your priority and number one, God. That's what the Israelites did. They they would have idols because they'd get tired of waiting on God. I don't know about you all, but it's like, once I get this so many times in my life, then I'll be happy. Then I can relax and quit chasing tomorrow. My dad always said, the more money you make, the bigger your wanter gets. You know, it's a, it's a grammatically correct word. I'm sure my, my wife would correct me here. The, the wanter, the, the wanter. You call it the wanter. The more money you make, the bigger you wanter gets. I think that came from grandpa who lived on a farm and he just said, the more money you make, the more you, bigger you wanter gets. It never stops. You know why? Because it doesn't last. The more you make, the more you spend, the more you spend. It wears off, the newness wears off, the new car smell, that's another one. Though it is nice, new car smells great. While it lasts. But eventually, the new car becomes just a car. Eventually, that sweet house with the stone wing walls, the worst investment ever, becomes a burden because they're sinking in the yard. But when people see it, they go, whoa, man, that is beautiful. And you say, you know what? If you've seen those things crack off the house three times, you got to put piers in the ground to keep them from sinking. You never put those things in again. They're the worst evil thing ever. See, the perception is different. It wore off. I was impressed by it too at first. Then it became a, a bill. It became a burden. And it didn't last. So on to the next thing. On to the next thing. We've been trained to think that the ability to show off the things we have is what displays our value to others. And could we believe it's even how we display our value to God? Could we be that confused by culture that that impresses God? Jesus says that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That would tell me that God could care less about your public appearance and more about what you do in your heart when no one's looking. It's called integrity. I don't need you to impress me. You don't have to be holy around me and then go do your thing during the week. I'm as raw as it gets. You'll see me make mistakes too. I want you to be real with your God in private. I want you to show yourself to prove to your God because if you can, if you can do it in secret, you'll get a victory that's gonna lead to public fruitfulness that people will naturally see anyway. That's what's so cool is he takes care of the rest. Success can also, in a, in, a, in, a, in a negative kind of way, it can create almost um, an image of arrogance if it's too extreme. If you boast about success around somebody who feels like they don't have what you have, you become arrogant, you become boastful, you become self-centered, you become conceited if you're too outspoken. So there's this like delicate dance around success. If you show a little bit, you're cool. If you show too much, you're a bragger because it makes people feel, guess what? Invaluable. It makes them feel devalued. It feels like a comparison. And sometimes the people that do that, they don't even mean it. But it's a perception thing that we've learned from the culture because if we don't have the same value as you, you're devaluing me by showing me what you have. Now, I don't like you. 
Come on, somebody, you've seen, you've seen that happen. We've all been in that boat. We've all felt lesser for a minute because someone else had the nicer thing for a minute until we realized it didn't matter. We grew past that stage. Especially as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult, it's all about comparison and how you compare is what crowd you fall in and then you fall under peer pressure. So it's especially important at that age when you're developing that strength to be independent and not a follower of the world. But the real question becomes then, if that is not godly success, how can I find something if I don't even know what I'm searching for? Because that's all I've been trained to find is that kind of success. So how can I find something I've never tasted? How do I find it? Secret victories lead to public fruitfulness. How do I find it? Let's show that one. How do I find it? How do I find it? Anybody like lizards? Yeah. I've got two people who like lizards. Three. One verbal, two hands. I know y'all like lizards, you just don't want to raise your hand. It's okay. My son is the lizard whisperer. Lisperer. How do you say that? Whisperer. Lisperer. How many R's are in there, Matt? You know, you know Spanish, how do you? Lisperer. Is that right? <laughs> he said, you can say it how you want. So he catches lizards, okay? I don't catch lizards. I don't even like lizards. I like them from about 50 feet away. And Caleb can go out there. He can just, boom, snatch it up. He's a lizard whisperer. Listen, whisperer. He's a lizard whisperer. Whisper. He's a lizard whisperer. There's another way. And so he knows, like, oh, they dropped their tail. Oh, I know what's up. They dropped their tail, Dad. They go find another. Oh, there's another one. He runs to the tree and snatches a lizard right off the bark. I mean, he is like a ninja with lizards. See, there's a secret to his technique. He's learned to see in the quiet moments how to trap the lizard or the deer or whatever you hunt. The deer. Nate was telling me about the deer. Oh, I, I go there. I see, I see some dead grass. He says, no, that's where the deer were laying. It's the deer I've been here. So the next thing you know, Nate's giving me some jerky. It's a great thing. But the key is, it's quiet. There's a secret to it. There's a listening to it. It's intimate. That's when the revelation happens. That's how I know. If I go out there looking for the lizard, I'm like, hey, lizard, where you at? Lizard, come here. Come here, little lizard, get in my hand. I say, this guy's an idiot. Out of here. Back to my tree. Secret victories will lead to public fruitfulness. How do I find it? Quit looking for the fruit and seek how to bear the fruit. But looking for the fruit, look at what causes. Where do I invest? Look at what creates the fruit. The fruit is the, well, it's the offspring. If you really want to get technical, and this is not sex education, but fruit is bear. It bears fruit. The tree bare fruit. It offspring fruit. It gave birth to fruit by something the tree was naturally doing. That's where you want to be. Remember, Jesus was the tree. We are the branches. It's his life through the tree that fed our branches. No trunk, dead branches. We had a sermon about that. So how do I find it? I got to start looking for the source and quit looking at the result of the source. I got to remove Jesus. God Jesus says all over, invest in others and you get a high return. You mean give of myself and I'll get? 
do unto others as you have them do unto yourself, it's a true, it's a true thing. It's all over the Bible. When you invest in others, you'll start receiving a high return. Even when others don't know you're investing in others. Even when you guys don't know that he's investing in him and, and you don't know that he's investing in him. See, the return comes because the fruit starts to bear out of them that proceed into the public society of what was done in secret. The fruit starts rooting. Remove yourself from the equation and gain the world. I don't like that. It's backwards. You really want to be fulfilled? Lose yourself. Take up your cross and follow me, Christ said. Because he, he, he understood and was trying to get them to understand that when you give of yourself and give away all your cares of yourself, he's going to overflow you. Why? Because he can trust you now with his promise. Guess what happens? Fruit. Fruit. Oh, man, I got so much fruit, it's going to spoil. I got to give this away. I got to give this fruit away because I can't hold on to this. It was never meant to hold on to it. Feed you, feed them. When you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me, says the king. Do it to them. You're doing it to me, and I'll give you more. It goes like this. It's a circle. It's how you start finding it. What I do in secret will be rewarded openly by God. So anybody know German? Anybody? Rusty knows German. Germany. So I took German for four years. I remember Hausketa. Necklace. Ich heiße Pastor Jeff. Ich bin I don't know. Burrito. I don't know. I am hello, I am Pastor Jeff. Hauskata necklace. Pastor Jeff, that's my, okay, that's how much German I can speak. Anyway, so we went to this conference this week, okay? We went to Seattle, Washington. Man, it was nice. It was nice, not the plane ride, it was a long, long ways. So we went, we went to this leadership conference and we, we were hungry. We're getting tired of the drive-thrus. You know, everybody sees the drive-thrus. Everybody sees the windows. You know, you get in there and you just drive through McDonald's again. Oh, geez, I'm gonna, killing myself with this poison they call food. Okay, I'll have another Big Mac. After like day three, I think it was our last night, I finally said, look, we've got to find a legit restaurant in this town that there's got to be something great. Why can't we find it? It's just not everywhere. Look, this is not, there's not big billboards saying here's the best place. So we went and looked for the tiniest, most insignificant, unmarketed, worn down establishment. And God said, that's the place. So we found Bruno's, German cuisine. Bruno's, Br Bruno's, I don't know. I'm just having, this is, um, this is junior high trauma syndrome. My hair, hair, hair faller was my teacher and he would play these cassettes. You know what cassettes are? They're like these things, they're plastic with the ribbon, Carly. Okay, good. Nick, you know what cassettes are? Pre-MP3, pre-CD. So we're in the class, right? And Herr Fuller is playing the cassette. And I heiße Jeff Gwaltney. And I hear crickets and nature and all these things in the back. It's really nap music, what I thought it was. I thought it was nap time. He turned on the nature music. Bell rings. Anyway, 
So that's what came to me when I went to this restaurant. See how, see how it's, it's, all, it's all intertwined? That's what happens when you get into the gospel. You start rambling, okay? Okay, but you're staying awake. That's good. So anyway, we get to this restaurant, and it's the most worn-down place, and they bring out homemade, authentic German food, okay? It's the best. I had rouladen. Anybody know what it is? <laughs> Y'all act like you're from Lake St. Louis. It's little thin, slicely beef rolled up, stuffed with something. I don't know what was in it, but it was good. And then we had um, spezzo. Spezzo, sorry. I don't mean to, if you're German, I'm not trying to make jokes here. This is just the best I can say it, okay? So that's what four years will do. It's a spezzo, and it's like these little noodles. And then I had sauerkraut. That, that I could do, sauerkraut, you know, like you put on dogs, but it was better. And then, and then Nick had, um, what did Nick have? he had a white bratwurst. I'm like, this is awful. Where's a grill? When you throw this on the grill. And it was, it was albino white bratwurst. And we're like, what is this thing? Is this animal? And, and we found out it was seal. No, it was veal. It was veal. But it looked like a seal. In fact, we had a debate. Was this really veal? It's kind of white. We think it's a seal. We had him going for about 10 minutes that it was seal. <laughs> we threw that thing on the grill and it was the best thing ever. And then Michelle, what did Michelle have? She had a schnitzel, schnitzel. I don't remember what schnitzel is, but there was like 20 kinds of it. And it was so good. And here's the funny part. It's this little bitty place that no one knows about. I said, Michelle, this is the kind of place that would be on Triple D. You know, with Guy Fieri, the diners, drivers, and dives. And guess what? When we walked in, guess what's on the wall? A picture of Guy. He had been to this restaurant. I'm for real. Come on. Y'all hearing this? This place was nothing. Didn't look good. It was nothing. Nobody knew about it. It was secret. And it was the best part of the trip. I mean, the preaching was good, but the food was better. See, they had been rewarded, rewarded openly and become fruitful openly because of how they did it on the inside. How they did it in the, in the privacy of your own little dining, just family-style dining, Jim. It's just like you and some people, and it's homemade, and the lady comes out with a funny outfit, and she gives you, and she gives you the food, and it's just, it's just the best. It was like so relaxing because it felt like grandma's house. But this, they cooked better than my grandma. God rest in peace, grandma. Anyway, so, so what I'm trying to tell you is, though, they had been awarded publicly because Guy Fieri had been there. Triple D had been there. This restaurant had been all over the nation but you never would have known it and it wasn't because they went out and said triple d you need to come to our place it's because they did it their way they did it authentic they stayed genuine and finally the fruitfulness of it happened on its own and the world saw it come on somebody is that translating that's our heart i'm not saying your heart is like a german restaurant but whatever it works to get the illustration across you got to do it in secret and do it genuinely and the world will start seeing publicly the fruit it's bearing that's how you find it who wants to find it somebody want to find it for real we don't want to look the part we want to be the part we want to be the mission we want to be we want to be really joyful so when people come here they say man they weren't normal like in a good way and i can't tell my friend i can't wait to tell my friends that they were not normal in a good way and i've never seen people that were so abnormal but in a good way that's what we want we get excited because it's a real thing don't worry about the pat on the back when you quit worrying about the pat guess what happens people start patting you on the back when you, when you quit starving for it, God will just send it because you're not making that your focus. 
secret victories lead to public fruitfulness. Don't seek the reward, seek God's grace. Show others your faithfulness by doing it one-on-one or even anonymous. Buy that coffee in the, in the checkout line. Send them a gift card. Send them a meal. You don't have to tell everybody because God sees it. God will reward you openly for that which you do anonymously or in secret. Do a things for others. This is, this is tough. Without expectation for self-gain. You know, I, I have to say, this is one of the biggest pet peeves of mine is when the person you see that they are wanting to look like the giver but you know them and know that they're setting you up for reception of something Simon the sorcerer I'm sorry to call it that but that's really what it is and it makes me crazy because when you really give you just give you don't care about what you get out of it because most people that get there, see, man, I get so blessed from it anyway. It's the, it's the most joyful feeling to give. But it's that, it's that um, strategic intent to patronize you into my ways. That, that reminds me of Simon. I don't like that. That was not of the spirit of God. That is not what we want to be as a church. We want it to be so unconditional that people try to, try to crack the code and say, they just, I knew they weren't genuine and they just can't. Just like Jesus. They just can't find a way to flaw us because we mean what we say. We're real. We're genuine. There's nothing to hide. Amen. We're changing the definition of Christian church in the culture. So many people are bitter at the church, but they're missing the relationship with Jesus. We're trying to redefine that. And I believe God is blessing this church because of it. Because he sees our culture is real. It's genuine. There's no motives We love you like family. Godly success brings joy and fulfillment unlike any other thing you could put your hands on in this world. Make this the focus and you will find success. The greatest victories and successes happen in secret and intimate settings. I'll tell you one more story. I'm kind of preachers that get long-winded so they get fired up, but we announced the church November 2017 on Facebook. Got a bunch of likes and yay, so excited, proud of you. Okay, you don't even know what you're saying. You don't be proud of this. This, this, is, this is gonna be scary, man. But it was cool because it was awesome. But we were a little nervous. But that is not when the revelation happened. That's the fruit of the revelation. They don't know that we are in our loft months and months and months earlier and, uh, and we were in like a, a depression, something was going on and, and, and we were starting to do this thing where we turn on YouTube and let the kids watch worship music. We, we, like, we got in this habit of, they started singing and we could feel something happening in the culture of our loft, okay? And, and it came to this point where me and Michelle knew there was a burden and like we couldn't accept it. We're fighting it. I was fighting it. And I was waiting for Michelle to be on board and it was just me and her. Nobody else knew about this. My parents didn't know about this. My brother and sister, nobody except God, me, and her. And it came to a point where I said, I've not been honest. This is not something that I think I want to do. This is something we have to do. And now I'm saying it out loud 
because I've been cheating both of us by not being honest and saying it. And that was the moment the spark went. The weight was lifted. Amen, sister. The weight was lifted because as soon as we let it go and said, God, this is what it's got to be, then bam, it became joy. It became no longer heavy. It became no longer dreadful. The anxiety left. It's because we said, this is what it's got to be. God is saying, do it, and we're fighting God on this. And we finally said, it's what it's going to be. We spoke it into existence like he spoke the world. And then before you knew it, that was like in April of 2017. Here comes November when people find out about it, but they don't know what happened. Happened in secret, you see? That's where the revelation happened. That's the moment I remember. I don't remember who liked what and who put what. I have to go back and look at the history because you know what? It doesn't matter because the, the thing that happened that created the fruit was in secret and it continues to be the case. So I know how to find it. I know what it is. How do I keep it? Now that I, I got a grasp of what it is I need to hold on to, how do I keep this? Remember your maker. Jesus in all things. When you get confident because everything's going good, don't start forgetting about Jesus. He's the conductor of the train. Y'all might know I had a song 10 years ago. It had got a little bit, it got a little bit of play. It's called You Gotta Get Up on That Train. Cause I can hear it coming. It goes louder every time it rains. Cause when it's good out, you don't hear the train coming. All aboard. Oh man, I forgot the words. But Jesus was the conductor. Anyway, sunny days. Go check it out. Old school. Jesus is the conductor of the train. And when we get good, when money's coming in, life's good, we start drifting back to our ways. But Jesus is the conductor. The train's still chugging, but let us not lose hearing of what that train sounds like in all seasons. Remember first, Jesus is your maker. When you're grounded in truth, it'll set you free and it'll keep you humble. Truth keeps you humble. When you remember who invested in you, you'll stay humble. When you remember that it was never about you, you'll stay humble. When you remember what created where you are now, all the people who put their hand in to guide you, you stay humble. When you forget that, you forget truth. When you forget truth, you start slipping from the garden by the wayside, okay? That's how we hold on to it, is we remember that. And guess what? Cherish the obstacles you overcame, because guess what? You grew from obstacles. No obstacles, no growth. No travail, no birth. You got to grow, you got to stretch, you need obstacles, it's a good thing, it's an opportunity. We call painful, stressful moments, in my house we call them opportunity, most of the time. Oh, God gave me another opportunity to be better. Seriously. I didn't say it'd be easy. It's a battle, but if you battle against the enemy and keep seeking God first, he will stretch you into something new that you don't recognize in 365 days. You say, where'd that guy come from? God says, I made that. I needed clay. I'll make the sculpture. You're not a sculpture. You're clay. I want clay. Because if you're already a sculpture, you don't need me. I want clay. And secret victories lead to public success. This is a big one. Surround yourself with transparent people. Not yes men. You want people that are going to hold you accountable. Because you need that support. Nobody is perfect and you want to surround yourself with people who are transparent and will keep you accountable to be the best people you can be, to be the best Lori you can be, to be the best Christine you can be, to be the best Debbie you can be, to be the best Erica you can be. You need people to say, look, I think you're doing great, but here's how we can make it better. Have you thought about this? It's not because I don't like you. It's because I love you. You know, leaders, when they quit asking you questions, you know what that means? They gave up on you. When they quit pushing you a little better, they gave up on you. 
When they're pushing you and you're kind of agitated at them because they're making you better, that means they believe in you. And that's what God does to us. He's trying to push us to make us better. And we're going to fight him. But if we let him stretch us out, we're going to be better and we're going to thank him later. And we're going to gain respect and see that God did something so great that we didn't know we could respect. Something we can't even see, but we can feel the spirit of God. We're going to respect God in all things and keep him first. If y'all could stand with me, we're going to close. A little fired up from this conference this week. I didn't think it was in me today, Erica, and it just, it is, came out. That's guess what the praying does. We say, God, pray that this message touches somebody because we don't, you know, as people, we operate in the parameters of the plan. But then there's a point where we say, God, touch it. It has to be touched. If it's not anointed, it's no good. If it's not anointed, we don't want it. So God, touch it, make it better. And God is saying to focus on the intimate, private places of secrecy where you have one-on-one relationships, bonding. And that's where God is going to explode your public fruitfulness. In order to keep that success, remember how God brought it to you. Remember it. Show God your heart. He will take care of the rest. That is the secret to success. If we could bow our heads Let's just pray. This is such a special day, Lord. We are so thankful to be in your house that today we're having our first official baptism Sunday. And God, you know it was on our heart last year, last August to have a baptism, but we weren't ready as a church, God. And this year you set it up without any pushing, without any pulling. You aligned it to be in your timing, God. And we are so excited, God, that those moments that we have grown together have led to today and are going to continue to live down the road into the future of this church. But God, help us recognize this week what it means to operate transparent and secret when no one's looking, to be a blessing to to someone else when no one's looking to send a blessing and no one ever knew where it came from but you know God and that's where we're going to receive that public fruitfulness be honest this week help us be abnormal to the world and show them what the light of the world looks like and if the house of God could say in Jesus name amen